going to work. All right. All right. All right. This is John and Julia discussing retirement, the ultimate treasure hunt. Julia, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It's great to see you, John. Thank you. It's great to be seen. Mm -hmm. uh, Julia, today I wanted to talk about aging, the concept of aging and uh, what it means today. What does age mean today? I think most of what we know about the concept of age is wrong. Wrong. How can that be? I, I, I thought I knew exactly what age was. I thought it was about, you know, hey, I'm 62. What does it mean? Yeah, it means that we go by chronological age and it says nothing about us by the time we get in our 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, etc. Do you remember Helen Harkness? We both like her. Oh, yes. Great author wrote. Um, Very interesting. Don't stop the career clock. And if I may quote Helen Harkness, not one expert in the aging field says that chronological age is a reliable measure of our actual aging. It's an accepted convenience only. And when we use that accepted convenience, we ignore the fact that there are multiple facets to the concept of age. I see. I see. So <clears throat> also, uh, let's talk about something that she also came up with that I thought was brilliant. And that is the concept of functional aging. And that really yeah. uh, hit home with me. Same here. And what she meant by functional is, first of all, biological age is one of the components of that overall concept of aging. So there's chronological, there's biological, there is psychological, there's social, mm -hmm. and some experts even go into intellectual, etc. What she means by functional age is that people vary in terms of their biological age when chronologically is the same number. Because when you're 15, an average 15-year-old is going to be able to walk and jump and kind of look the same. By the, time, yes. by the time we get in our 60s and 70s, the wear and tear on the body is very different. You look yes. at some of the 70-year-olds and they're doing yoga. They are flexible. They're happy people. They're fulfilled. They have something interesting to do. They spend time with their families. and that's one type of 70. And there are other people in their 70s who really are worlds apart from that because everything that we do, what we eat, uh, how much we move, uh, how happy our work life is, how happy the family life is, you know, it all adds up over time. A very happy life and very physically active life and good nutrition, they... Um, add up and someone's biological age is very, very different. Sure. Sure. <clears throat> well, I, I think uh, what you're talking about is uh, just one example is uh, I ran into a friend of mine's dad yesterday and he walks three miles a day at five 30 in the morning. Yeah. And he is farmer strong at 83. Wow. Just in great shape. And uh, I think that's kind of what you're talking about. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And 
you know, that biological, why is it accessible to some people and not others? And the other facet of functional age is psychological. Psychological is our subjective perception of our age and what is possible. Okay. Because, and it starts with something that we overhear as children. Nobody sits us down and explains to us what our life should or should not be when we are 60 years old or 70 years old, but we overhear certain things. And if um, a three-year-old or a five-year-old overhears uh, at 50, my life is over, then they might think that and not even realize that they think that. And of course, if you think that it's all going downhill, you're not going to be excited and inspired to go and enroll yourself in that yoga class or do that golf or walk three miles because it's down the hill. It's why even bother, right? So we exclude ourselves from life. Yeah, well, I I think another uh, truly great example of this is what you're uh, referring to is Phil Mickelson, famous golfer, just won the PGA Championship at 50. It's the oldest uh, major, uh, oldest player ever to win a major championship by, by, by four years. Yeah. So, um, you know, he decided that what are the things that are stopping me from winning? And he worked on those things. And now, now look at, you know, what inspirational effect that has on so many people. Um, You also, we've talked in the past about Irina Polkowska, I believe that's pretty interesting too. Tell me about her because you, you, you interviewed her, I believe. I did. And, and so first I met her as a friend Okay, and, and then I said, you know, I would love to talk to you and write it down. And the reason that she was a role model or an inspirational figure in my life, either way you call it, uh, is because she jumped with a parachute to celebrate her 80th birthday. Yeah. And it blew my mind. It's it's like, you know, you like golf and to you, the golfer is really... Yeah, uh, I'm afraid of heights. I've never jumped with a parachute. I will never jump with a parachute. It's out of the question. But the fact that she decided to do it at 80 and she did it was super inspirational. And then she said, I feel 20 years younger. I don't look 20 years younger. And really, I don't care to look 20 years younger, but I feel 20 years younger. Why? Because she didn't limit herself in any way. She wanted to do it and she just went ahead and did it. Well, I, I think the experience of her uh, doing this super exciting yeah. thing um, really catapulted her in a way, you know, it had an effect. Yeah. Hey, I, 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 I did this and the joy that she received, the experiential effect, if you will, of that jump, then, um, really gave her a tremendous amount of energy going forward, right? She moved. She moved to Europe from the U.S. And uh, basically in her late 80s, early 90s, she decided to change the country um, 
where so she, she lives. moved she, she moved to a whole different yeah. country right yeah. yeah and and so that uh that experience catapulted her into all kinds of different all directions, kinds of different things and she didn't will. move and she didn't move because she had to right. she lived in New York. It's not, well, I'm moving because New York is too expensive. Not at wow. all. Yeah. She moved because she said, I'm going to have a lot more fun. And I like this, this and that. So it wasn't running from, it was going to. Yes. And the fact that someone can do that is just huge. And of course, all of that adds up the, the biological the psychological adds up. And then when we talked about um, the, the previous two examples, when we observe it, that is the concept of social age. Social age is the cues that we get from society okay. about what is possible for okay. us, what is expected, what is, what is possible. And if we don't think about it, if we don't reevaluate why we think certain things, we default to society's expectations. Yes. And these are changing rapidly because a lot of people like the two of us and our listeners are not going to follow what was acceptable even 50 years ago. Right. Well, I, I think we also uh, have talked about Ellen Langer, her studies. Yes. Right. And uh, I think that maybe that's an area that we could delve into now. I love your questions. So Ellen Langer is uh, a professor of psychology at Harvard University. She conducted a very remarkable study in 1981. She invited a group of people in their 70s and 80s to imagine that they were younger she organized, she set up a house that in 1981 looked like it were 1950s. Okay. She put the magazines there. She played the music. If you turned on the TV set, the TV shows were from 1950s. Wow. So for one week, um, that group of people had an immersive experience of 30 years prior. Here's the cool part of the study. She measured the physical uh, consequences. Markers? Are, are you talking physical about physical markers? Physical markers. Mm -hmm. markers. She, she didn't just ask them, oh, do right. you feel better? No. What turned out to be the case is that the participants' joints became more flexible. Their shoulders became wider. Their fingers became longer. They had less signs of arthritis and Langer said, whatever you put, wherever you put the mind, the body will follow. So it's not a physical state that limits us. It's our mindset about our own limits, our perceptions that draws the lines in the sand. And then there was an article in the Harvard magazine describing this study. The article was titled The Mindfulness Chronicles and the journalist who wrote it, Kara Feinberg, summed up Langer's research by saying our fixed ideas internalized in childhood can affect the way that we age. So our fixed ideas that we internalize in childhood tell us what our roadmap is. And it's very dangerous. Listen, if those ideas are fantastic, that's great. Keep following that. If those ideas were crazy, then 
that's when we need to acknowledge that most of the things that we thought about age is are, are wrong mm -hmm. and we need to re-examine them yes. and we need to really uh, figure out where we stand in terms of our biological, psychological, and social and put it on track. I, I think, um, you know, <clears throat> that study that she did really proves mind over matter. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. 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 But matter needs to be walked three miles a day. And <laughs> so it's not just solely mind. It's it's mind over matter first. And then you do all of these other things that you're supposed to do. Also, I'd like along with what we're talking about here kind of folds into a Ronnie Bennett. Yeah. Uh, blog creator. Yeah. Uh, time goes by dot net. Mm -hmm. uh, you interviewed her and discussed subtle ageism. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about that? So Ronnie is a journalist who worked for major uh, TV channels and then created a blog, Times Go Time Goes By, as you mentioned. And she is, she goes very deep on the topic of social age. Okay. And what I learned from her is that language affects our beliefs. And here I quote Ronnie, if you hear every day of your life, in hundreds of newspapers and on television, the subtle references that keep perpetuating the idea that to get old is a terrible thing, you will believe that. And then she said one of the words that she dislikes the most is still. It's used in news stories about old people in this way. At 87, she still cooks her own breakfast. Why shouldn't she? You wouldn't say that about a young person. At 16, she can still dress herself. People don't even think about it when they write it. And it's mindlessly done because we've heard it our own our entire lives. And so we keep perpetuating this image, this idea that old is equal to decrepit, frail, not too bright, and that it affects so many areas of our lives negatively. But in reality, to get old is a wonderful time of life. For most of us, we feel better, we're smarter, we know a lot more about ourselves, we avoid a million mistakes that we made you know, even right. 20 right. You know, or 10 years ago. And there's research that proves that getting older is a wonderful time of life. I'm sure you're going to ask me about all that, but I agree with Ronnie and I started being a lot more careful about all of the subtle references. I started noticing them. Well, there's an author also that we have talked about in the past. Uh, Abraham Maslow's work on self-actualization. And I yeah. think that's an interesting. Uh, I think this is probably a great time to talk about him. Wonderful. Wonderful. Abraham Maslow is one of the best known psychologists because he came up with Maslow's Pyramid of Needs. And at the top of the pyramid, he put self-actualization. The way that he described self-actualization is the full use and exploitation of talents, capacities, potentialities, and the like. 
such people, and I quote, seem to be fulfilling themselves and to be doing the best that they are capable of doing. And these people go full steam ahead at any age. They make the absolute best of their life. And I think that you opened up this podcast by saying retirement, the ultimate treasure hunt. And it's taken straight from Maslow, who is essentially saying we're hunting for the treasure inside us and you're not going to get to it at 15 years old and you're not going to be at it when you're 30, right? So people who get to this point spend years and years and years learning about life, learning about themselves, never limiting themselves and going for that self-realization, self-actualization, which is that ultimate treasure Yes, that we all want. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, when you talk about um, judging ourselves by external standards, mm-hmm. um, you know, stereotyping, et cetera, mm-hmm. um, I think what you're saying is let's break away from that, right? Absolutely. And the way that I was able to break away from it is really to start understanding that I should stop thinking of age in terms of chronological age. Okay. It's nothing. It's an accepted convenience. It's a stereotype. And to build your life based on that phantom concept is not going to get you where you want to be, which is fulfilled and happy and healthy and, and, uh, looking well, forward to any stage of of your life correct correct yep <clears throat> we've also talked about ward letty yeah uh walking the world tell me about that i interviewed him he created a company that um takes people on nature walks very challenging nature walks and he gets them to do things that physically um, they didn't even imagine themselves doing like climbing. Can't, are you talking mountains. about challenging type things? Yeah. Or yeah. they might think that they would be challenging. If you- oh yeah. Yeah. And, and um, he basically said, if you don't put limits on yourself, the world opens up is the same idea. I think people get to this idea in many different ways. Some through, biology, you know, some through challenging themselves physically, some through exam- re-examining their psychological beliefs, some through re-examining what they hear and read and identifying the subtle language patterns that are not ideal for sure. us. And mm-hmm. we will all get there. We can all get there by different means. But if really you understand that it's all biological, psychological, social, and there's this mix. There's this wonderful mix of everything, all sure. of these concepts. Sure. And we're free to pick and choose. Yeah. That's, you know, Ward is one of these people who decided early on that he's choosing all the good stuff. <laughs> well, it, it's also, uh, you know, we can't accept uh, the external standards of, 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 of 
what we're supposed to do, I think, is what you're saying. Yeah. External standards. If they're bad, if they lim- if they limit us, if they limit us, there's nothing wrong with looking at the golf players of the world and Irene's of the world. There's nothing wrong with that if that's the standard that you want, because it's a really good one. It's someone who re-examined all the assumptions rationally and said, okay, rationally, you think I should be, my professional golf life should be over. You're telling me that, but in reality, what are the skills? You, you said so yourself, right? He identified the gaps and he said, can I resolve them or not? Objectively, you can. So yeah, and you know, to to break to break down uh, what I think uh, the you know the whole treasure hunt, you know, linking retirement and the treasure hunt, to me uh, makes uh, aging really exciting. Uh, this golfer Phil Mickelson yeah. uh, analyzed his game, his life, and found that there were some things that he needed to do or needed to work on or needed to discover about himself. Again, hunt, treasure yes. hunt. Yes. Uh, built, you know, find within themselves, uh, discover, you know, answer questions about themselves. It's, um, it's really exciting material. I love talking about retirement. I love talking about aging. And uh, I think we've had a great session today and look forward to talking with you next time. Likewise. Thank you so much. Have a great day, Julia. You too. All right.